Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Jillian Yetter from Delaware. She is a, how do you say it, a audiobook? Audiobook narrator. Narrator. Okay, thank you. Why don't you go ahead and tell us how you do this and uh, how you got started? Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. My name is Jillian Yetter. I have been an audiobook narrator for four years now. Um, and I've done about 80 titles in that time, um, some under my own name, some under a pseudonym for romance. Um, I started off, I was in the classroom as a high school English teacher for 10 years. It was, is my passion. I love teaching. I love everything about it. It's what I thought I was going to do for my whole life because I love sharing literature with the world. It's what I love to do. Uh, but in 2018, um, I was diagnosed with a neurological condition that ended up being pretty chronic and kept me from the classroom and I ended up having to leave on disability. So I felt really lost um, without the world of teaching because I'd been doing it since I was 21. It was most of my whole identity, who I was as a person. Um, so uh, once I left the classroom, I didn't know what to do. So one day I was just in an Ulta parking lot crying and on Google Jobs and I Googled things to do with books <laughs> that former English teachers can do. And I found audiobook narration. I love it that you taught literature and now you're reading literature because I mean, honestly, you're still teaching. Yes. And it, it really does feel that way. Like I still get to share books with the world. Like it is it's a fantastic opportunity that I wouldn't get to have otherwise. Um, and I kind of stumbled into it and I started walking and just slowly learning, um, finding out it's a, actually a pretty difficult profession. <laughs> Once you actually get into the nitty gritty of all of it, it took me three months to do my first book. Um, mm -hmm. Now it takes me about a week to do a book. Um, but it was, I just slowly walked into it and started learning more and more and doing YouTube videos and taking courses. And now four years later, this is my full-time job with part-time hours. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's back up a little bit. How long did it feel like you needed to get up to speed? Like you said, it's not something you just walk into. Um, so there were fewer resources back then. So this is pre pandemic pre, you know, the influx of people working from home. Um, so in 2020, things really started shifting to, to more work from home, more resources for people to become audiobook narrators. But in 2018, 2019, um, there weren't as many resources. Um, so I started on a website called acx.com. Uh, it's audiobook creation exchange. It's through Audible and Amazon. Um, and it's for people who publish through Amazon to put their books up independently um, as authors or right, rights holders and connect themselves independently with a narrator. So the contract is strictly between the rights holder, usually the author, and the narrator. There's no one in between. So I just got on there, put a few samples on, and someone hired me. And I said, yes, I can complete this job, having no idea what it meant to complete this job. Um, so I had to watch a ton of YouTube videos because, um, first of all, I needed a setup, right? So I needed a soundproof room, mm -hmm. um, which at that time was a closet that I used. And I got like a USB microphone and... Um, that was my starter setup. And then I needed to 
learn actually recording it wasn't as as you know time consuming or difficult like the actual reading of the book but then I was in charge of editing it oh really entirely so it goes completely from my house to audible and I had no idea how to make that happen oh my goodness so you needed to know all the technical yes I had to learn a completely new language of audio engineering um, now, fortunately for me, there's a ton of resources through ACX, um, through I was using uh, Audacity was the program I was using at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Audacity has a lot of information on there about podcasts and audiobook narration and how to edit that. So I was I was able to access that information, but it did take me three months to get um, like a six hour book completed. Um, because I had to learn that. And now, since then, I've upgraded my my equipment. I've upgraded my knowledge, my my systems I'm running. Um, but in the beginning, I had no idea everything that goes into it. It takes about six hours to produce every one hour of audiobook that you hear. Mm-hmm. I believe you because I know with podcasting, <laughs> you think it's just like a you know, turn it on and and publish, but it's not that easy. Yes, you have to go through everything and you have to edit it and master and proof. Well, for us, you have to proof, you have to make sure it's 100% accurate to the text, Mm. um, which was hard to do at first. Because one thing that I did as an English teacher is, is when you're reading to students, you're not focusing on every single word. You're just working, mainly focusing on content. So mm-hmm. if you stumble over something, you just keep going. Right. You can't do that in narration. You have to stop, fix it, stop, mm-hmm. fix it. Um, so it was, it was learning how to read a, out loud all over again. I suppose it's easier to stop and fix it in real time rather than to finish the entire book and then have to go back. Yes. It's easier fix all to, of them. to do it, um, in real time. Um, so I've now learned a skill called punch and roll, um, which is something where you take it back a few beats listen to it and then it starts recording after a few beats so you talk along with it so you can get the same tone um so when i go back to listen edit my final audio it's already pretty pristine and exactly all the words that i want it to be there's no errors in it nice nice yeah it's nice (laughs) are you still in a closet I am not in a closet. Um, my husband built me a custom studio. Uh, so I have this wonderful, I think it's like a four foot by five foot, maybe four by six studio uh, space where it's completely standalone. And it's mostly soundproof except for um, planes and trains, okay. which are very close. <laughs> oh, really? I'm yes. actually working out of a closet. I usually okay. only am really in here for recording at this point. I used to teach full-time out of here as well, but I do get a little claustrophobic when I'm just in here by myself. I'm talking to someone. It doesn't bother me at all, Um, but I like it for the, for the, you know, sound buffering (laughs) quality. Yeah, It's great for that. I have three kids that are kind of bouncing around like downstairs. (laughs) I'm like, Hey, just be, you know, offline for a little while and don't disturb me. And they're of an age that I can do that. You know, they know that they could come in for emergencies, Um, but it does help (laughs) like keep out some of the squeals and whatever they're doing. Um, But just last night, actually, we were having this um, conversation. I was closing the wardrobe that we built. It's an Ikea wardrobe. We both each have like a double wardrobe in our bedroom uh, because I've displaced us from this closet 
And my husband's like, well, it would be nice to have the closet back again someday. And I'm like, <laughs> probably <laughs> not going to happen unless we move <laughs> into a house that has an office for me because <laughs> he's working out of our bedrooms. So okay. um, your studio sounds a lot like the kind of studio I might have practiced in when I was a music major. Okay. Probably it's kind of like a musician's like you've got the foam so. all over and Yes, all the foam, so much foam, um, lots of carpeting to now like the, the it's mine's more for deadening sound mm -hmm. coming in rather than deadening sound going out, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the acoustics are different, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's very similar to what you would use for a music studio. And then you mentioned that you originally started with like a USB microphone. Did you end up upgrading the microphone too, or is that your I same did. setup? Yes, I've upgraded twice. Um, so I'm on my third microphone. It's very, very pretty. Um, I just invested in this one a few months ago, uh, just paid it off as well. Um, and it's a, so I want to say Newman, but I know it's not Newman. It's said with a different accent, but I'm going to say Newman. Spelled TLM. like, I'm sorry. Spelled like Newman. Yes, it's spelled like Newman. Yes. Okay. I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, but I someone said the correct way to say it the other day, and I, I had no idea. Um, but it's uh, TLM 102, I believe. Sounds good. So this would be something that like audio book narrators and say podcasters and musicians all would use, or is it really specific for audiobook for some reason? I'd say um, I've been told uh, that it's a pretty versatile mic, uh, so uh, it's really good for just audio in general. It just brings up good audio. I don't know if it'd be one for musicians, um, but as far as podcasters and voiceover work, it's it's a good mic. I'm not an expert on mics, but I've been told it's a good one. <laughs> and what made you want to upgrade again? Um. So... There were a few issues with the sound um, on the one that I had. Um, and so I started researching a little bit, seeing what other narrators were using. And it seemed like the mic that I was using, which was a Rode NT1A, mm -hmm. um, was more of a starter mic in narration. So I really started researching into forums about what other people were using um, and when this year I, I was like, okay, I can do one big purchase. And my one big purchase was that I could upgrade my mic to get a better sound quality. And um, now I'm using an audio engineer to do my work. I'm not engineering my own work anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he said that the sound quality is much better. So okay. it's a worthy investment. <laughs> right. So when did you make that switch? Oh my goodness. I made that switch about a year and a half ago. So I guess I did my first 30 books on my own. Um, and then someone told me that I could, I didn't know that I could, I had no idea that I could hire someone to do that part of my job. That's the heart. That was the hardest part of my job for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the spring of 2021 is when I made the switch and hired someone. And now I, I think I've edited two projects this year. Okay. I mean, this year, meaning it's January. Oh, sorry, <laughs> this year, meaning 2022. <laughs> and does it, um, I, guess, I guess, do you feel like the hiring someone to help you with the engineering still helps you come out ahead? Or does it, it does. help you just get to do the part that you enjoy more? Um, it's both. I actually did enjoy the engineering side. 
Um, but well, first of all, someone told me that I could raise my rates. So I didn't know that I got it. I got a vocal coach. Um, she did vocal coaching, business coaching, general narration coaching. Um, and she advised me, she said, you can charge more and hire someone to do this part of your job for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still come out on top because I was undercharging okay. at the time. I didn't know. We're well, an independent contractor. You know, you started off new and now yes. you are, you have how many, 30, some more, more than 30 books under your belt? 80? How many did I you say? 80. Yes, I 80. 80. Okay. 30 that you engineered first yes. and then, okay, got it. Uh, and so is that someone that you have to collaborate with closely or are they at the point now where they can take your books and just turn them back to you? Done. They just take them from me. I just send them my audio and they send them back to me clean. Nice. Uh, so it's a, it's a very good relationship. I just ask him, I say, do you have space in your schedule for me to send you audio for these dates? Um, and then he sends them back to me. Let's go back to the beginning when you first started working from home. Uh, so you were used to working full-time in a classroom with high schoolers. And then all of a sudden you were, I'm assuming it took you several months to, to figure out where you're going to go next. Did you have to stop teaching and then wait a while or were you able to transition? Um, I waited a while because I was still quite sick, um, for a long time and I still have flare-ups quite regularly now. Um, but I waited a few months, uh, before I started looking into hobbies, And this started as a hobby, just something to fill my time to keep me connected with the world of literature. Um, And then I only would like, I call it a full-time job now. It's not really, it's still part-time, but it's, it's my, my full-time job. Um, So I went full-time only just a year ago. Um, So I was dabbling before then. Okay. So now I keep a full schedule. Um, And by that, I just mean, I always have a book I can work on. That's Good. what I mean by a full-time schedule. Mm-hmm. I know when I was teaching online, what one person considered to be fully booked is, mm-hmm. you know, varied wildly from one person yes. to the next. Some people, yeah. six hours was their full-time, like as much as they could fit into their life. And mm-hmm. other people were doing 70. Yeah. So I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome that you've had a coach. You've been able to, to make it work and do the part that you like. It sounds like there's a lot of crossover with musicians you said voice coaching. So they, they help you have stamina, not to have breaks in your voice. What kinds of things were they teaching you there? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I don't come from a performance background. Uh, so my vocal coach, shout out to Shannon Parks. Um, she's another narrator. Um, she would coach me on warming up, how to take care of my voice and warm up so that I had more stamina um, about treatments I can use to keep my voice strong, um, such as like the vocal mist steamer. I love Hmm. my vocal mist steamer, Mm -hmm. um, and just various ways for that and how to warm up my voice. Um, she also coached me on performance because I do not have a performance background, you know, Anyone who's taught students knows that you have to perform to some extent to get them to pay attention to you, Um, but it's not in a traditional format. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she coached me on that, and that was really helpful. Um, And that's where I'd say my career, so that was the spring of 2021. I'd say that's where my career really took off because I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, And she really taught me how to level up in this career. And I'm assuming that you find people all the time that as soon as I find out that's what you do, they're like, tell me more. Yes. What kinds of things um, do you, I guess, 
when I was working from home as a medical transcriptionist, it was one of like the early work from home jobs a long time ago. Um, people would come to me and be like, you know, I want to do what you do. And I would have to say, well, it's kind of a dying field. Um, I would encourage you to look for something else that you can do from home. Um, I have a feeling you must have to tell people like you can't just plug and go. You have to, do you, do you recommend that you do the same kinds of training as you do, or do you coach people too as well? I do not coach. I've thought about it, but I would like to wait a little bit of time before I go into coaching. Um, I do give a lot of tips on social media and things like that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's some really great resources that I always direct people to if they want to get into audiobook narration, um, working from home in narration. Uh, the first one is narratorsroadmap.com. Uh, which just maps out what what the job entails, what equipment you'll need, what training you'll need. Some people do all of this without a coach. Like I said, I went a, like two and a half years without a coach. Um, so you can do it, uh, but I didn't have resources like the narrator's roadmap at the time. Um, so that's a wonderful resource for anyone who's interested in getting involved in audiobook narration. Um, there's also um, there's an audiobook called How to Become an Audiobook Narrator, written and narrated by a narrator. <laughs> <laughs> so that's by Andy Garcia Ruse. She just put that one out um, in December. So she she was the same thing. You know, people kept coming to her and asking her, how can I be a narrator? And so she finally just wrote a book about it. Um, I'm assuming that there's some can. How can you be a pet owner? or a parent of young children and be a narrator (laughs) (laughs) with complications. (laughs) So I modify my schedule um, to, I only work when my kids are at school or when they're asleep because it is very difficult. It's easier now because of their ages. They're pretty self-sufficient. But I try to keep it that I work business hours while they're in school and I limit the projects I can take in the summertime um, because it's just difficult having children screaming in the background when you're trying to record audio. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as pets, I have a cat and my cat wants to be near me all the time. (laughs) So she throws her body against the door of my booth. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) And she just, she screams and throws her body against it. Just like, mom, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. That is a newer complication that I haven't really figured out yet, but she only does it. Um, usually if I take a break and go and snuggle her for a little bit, she'll stop. So <laughs> you have to, I have to give in to the cat, but um, someone actually just was talking about this this morning about how to do audiobook narration with a dog. And people said, just let them in the booth with you and hope they don't make noise. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you never know the audiobooks that you're, listening to there could have been a cat sitting there or a child popping in asking questions about snacks uh but we just edit that all out yeah yeah sounds a lot like podcasting in some ways a lot like (laughs) podcasting oh my goodness um okay so going back to you were in a classroom you were with with students all the day long and then you were all of a sudden home and primarily working alone uh what are some of the things that you have overcome during that time that transition So I am a very extroverted person. I love having colleagues. Um, I know that one of the things that people love about working from home is that they get to remain introverted. Um, But even if you are an introvert, there is something about having colleagues, about having a community. 
around you. And I didn't really feel like I had that. Um, that was probably the hardest transition because when I'm narrating books, I'm just in this little box by myself talking to myself and there's zero accountability. I need someone to smack me and tell me to get with it and go do work. Um, so that was probably the hardest thing I had in transition other than, you know, giving up my students, which <laughs> was very difficult. Yeah. Um, but accountability. Um, so you and I actually met on Focusmate. Right. Yes. I actually had to look it up and remember how did we meet, but yes, of course, of course yes. we did. <laughs> so Focusmate, um, I just started on it a few weeks ago and that's really helped me build community. So I, I pull up Focusmate in, I'll pull up a session and it's a 50 or 75 minute session. Um, we turn the mics off. So I have someone else there with me in the booth, kind of. Um, and that really helps hold me accountable. It gives me a time to arrive to work. Um, it also prevents me from leaving work early. Mm -hmm. So if I'm scheduled for a 75 minute session, that's how long I'm working. And I pr usually do uh, back to back a few of those sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really been because accountability is the absolute hardest thing about this job because there is absolutely no one telling you you have what you have to get done on any given day. So I try to keep to, I've learned over the past year with my back-to-back -back schedule, um, I've learned that I can record um, anywhere from two to four hours a day. That is the absolute, four hours is where I tap out. Mm -hmm. um, so learning that is really good to know. Um, and I usually try to keep it at a comfortable two hours. So, and that's two hours of recording is one final hour recorded, if that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, say that one more time. Like, what do you mean? So it takes me two hours of being in the booth and speaking in order to get one hour of audio. Because of having to rephrase because things? Because having or... to stop and start so much. Okay. Yep. So it's actually a pretty, that's actually a pretty fast rate. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes out of it, uh, the audio is completely clean. Uh, it's raw audio that is, you know, from start to finish, my engineer gets no errors. Um, it's other than, you know, what he finds later. Um, but it should be from start to finish, everything is clean. And is that you taking out your repeats? Yes. Your punch and roll stuff? Yep. That's me taking everything out. Okay. I figured that he would just have to deal with all that. <laughs> no, no. There are, there are engineers who do, and I'm sure he would if I asked him to, but he'd probably charge me extra. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty. That's a pretty common uh, standard in this industry is to have what they call clean audio where you don't have any of your mistakes included. Okay. And then if he finds one, it's like digging a treasure out of a yes, mine kind yes, of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yep. So he reads the, he listens to the audio while also looking at the script, making sure it's word for word. How about pronunciation? Like I, <laughs> I grew up reading a lot of books and you probably did too. Um, but I will say that I didn't read out loud much. And as an adult, I've learned that I've learned to pronounce some words incorrectly in my head. Yes. So when I read out loud, I'm like, I literally don't know how to say this word. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have, a, I have a quite an extensive prep process. Um, so when I say it takes six hours to complete one hour of audio, um, that includes my prep process. Um, so 
when I'm first reading a book, I go through and I pull out any words that I might have trouble pronouncing, be it a name, a location, something in another language, or just a word that I, you know, don't know how to say aloud. And I put that in a sheet and it either goes to the author or the publisher, whoever I'm working with. And then they send me back the pronunciations. So okay. I can put that on there. Um, so they help me with that prep part of my process. So you don't and have to go and individually research every single word. I do not need to. I can if I want to. Um, so if it's something where it's just a word that I don't know how to pronounce, I can research that. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's like a character name, uh, I'll usually send that back to the author or the publisher and ask them, hey, you know, how do you say this? How did you want me to say it? Yeah. Yes. How, how <laughs> should I say this? Because I... I had one time that I said a character's name wrong 175 times in a book, and I had to go back and replace it 175 sentences. Oh, really? So you could, you didn't have to record the whole book again? No. Just those sentences? Just 175 sentences. <laughs> and with your punch and roll method, am I saying that right? Yes. You get the cadence and the tone and the volume, I guess? Yes. So it all matches so you just in the record end? it along with it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, there's a lot of things I didn't know about that. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you also have dabbled in romance books with a pseudonym. You want to uh, talk yes. about that a little bit? I can talk about that. Yes. But I try to keep her completely separate. Okay. Um, so I do um, under my own name because I taught high school. I do books that are young adult or kind of rated PG-13. Got it. Um, but anything that has anything spicier, mm -hmm. I read under a different name. Um, and actually, she's booked up very heavily this year. I'm, I'm under my name. I don't have as many books as, as she's apparently getting gaining popularity. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, fun. Um, but you you keep it separate for that reason, just because of your, and I'm I'm assuming that some of your old students are finding you or like, hey, oh Ms. my goodness. Yes. And they, so one of the things I actually like to do is I record, if I'm not on Focusmate, um, I, I also like accountability recording on TikTok Live. I get permission from the author and I just go on and I record the whole book on TikTok Live um, because you can't replay it. You know, people aren't on it the whole time. They just pop in and watch me in my booth recording. Um, and students will hop on TikTok and be like, is that, is that Mrs. Yetter? <laughs> And they they follow me. So, you know, it is important. Plus, I have my master's in education. So, you know, maybe I'll want to use that someday. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I have a master's in education as well, but mine is adult education. Okay. Mine is secondary. Yeah. And sometimes I'm using it and sometimes I'm not. Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, I think for the most part, I, because um, the nature of my my chronic illness, my neurologist actually advised me to leave the classroom because he said, if you want to keep being sick, then you stay in this career. Um, but working from home is just more a more viable option for me. Um, and keeping my own hours uh, with chronic illness is really, really essential because I I talk about accountability, you know, sometimes I can't make it to work that day mm -hmm. um, because I get sick. Mm -hmm. uh, so the nature of your work has some flexibility. You're not yes. on like super strict deadlines. Like you have to have this on by tomorrow. No. Um, so I usually schedule out. Um, I usually give myself at least two months. I schedule out a book. Um, it doesn't take me two months, uh, but I've learned that 
having that wiggle room in there. Um, now I'm working in between that, but I, I've gotten to a point where I can give myself enough time that if I am ill, I have space in my schedule mm-hmm. to take that time and be sick. And I consider that part of my, you know, work. My my job is to stay home and and take care of myself. Right. Um, and then I do this as an extra thing. <laughs> Were there any other work from home jobs that you considered or even dabbled in before you settled into this one? So I briefly dabbled in uh, baking macaroons, <laughs> macarons. Um, so I was very, very bored, um, was still kind of sick, but I had time and I was watching a lot of baking shows. And on the baking shows, they said how hard it is to bake French macarons and how time consuming it was. And I was like, well, I, I've got time. So <laughs> I learned how to bake French macarons and um, was starting a little business. I actually got my serve safe license. Um, I took the test and I w- I'm able to sell from home um if people want to so I was catering macarons for a little while <laughs> that's very random compared to what you ended up in but cool <laughs> you know you can fall back on that if you ever need to yeah if it's maybe just like around I do the, in my free time now like would valentine's day be a good time to like ramp that up <laughs> yes yeah people just ask me like for parties and whatnot and I made some for Christmas now it's just a fun thing I do uh, did you end up finding that that was more um, physically taxing, though? It was more physically taxing, and the deadlines were more urgent, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, if you need, if you need macarons, if you need pastries for a birthday party, mm-hmm. they have to be done. They have to be perfect. There's no room for me to be sick. Right. Um. So I did find that it was actually more taxing than doing this because there was a time where I was doing both um, and and doing audiobook narration was it, it was so much more conducive to to my my schedule mm-hmm. how old are your kiddos now seven and eight. Oh wow I have a seven-year-old <laughs> yeah um, so I know I know about that <laughs> yes. we're losing teeth like crazy yes <laughs> my my 12-year-old just lost her very last tooth Literally Aww. at the dentist, the dentist was flossing her tooth and like it came out. <laughs> oh, the that's monumental a moment. That is a fun age where they're still, I mean, they still need you, but mm-hmm. they can still occupy themselves for longer than they could when they were two and three. Yes. And four. So my job has gotten easier over the past four years. Um, mm-hmm. cause when I first started doing this, I had a three and a four year old. Um, so <laughs> that's a different animal. <laughs> That was completely different. There was there was no recording when they were home. But like right now, my daughter's actually home um, with me. She wasn't feeling well today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she, but she knows mommy's working. Yep. It's a short period of time. But if she needs me, she can run in and, yep. and I'll help her out, of course. Yeah. And we'd edit it out if it happened. And we would edit it out. Yes. <laughs> That's what I love about this is that um, there is that little bit of wiggle room, like, you know, for people mm-hmm. that do have kids. Um, yes. Because there's some jobs that will not allow you to have children in the home um, unless they had another caregiver. And that's one thing that I do encounter a lot of people, like if they want to work for a corporation, a company, you know, they have signed an agreement oftentimes. Some people forget that they did that, I think. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That no, you can't be the sole caregiver for your children, especially young toddlers while working your job. But there are certain jobs like yours 
that yeah. maybe you can work around because you can pause and re-record. Re yes, yes, you can. And I can take I, I can take an hour or a five-day break and then go back to the book. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like I never left. So um, that is very, very convenient, the, the stop and start of it. Um, I actually, I was very sick from October to December. So I had mm -hmm. to take two whole months off mm -hmm. um, this this past uh, fall. So, um, but I was just able to shuffle things around in my schedule and came back to it and came back strong. <laughs> so you're generally working while the kids are at school yes. or sleeping. Yes. I have done a lot of work while my kids were sleeping, but that required me to like literally work all night mm -hmm. or wake up at like two o'clock in the morning. Yes. <laughs> so do your kids sleep in or do you have to like get it all done by 5am or something crazy? Um, I cannot do it in the morning uh, at all. They don't, they don't really sleep in. Um, so I would usually, they're pretty good at going to bed. Um, usually they're asleep by nine 30. Um, so I would just work into the night. And like I said, I, I usually don't do any more than, than two to four hours in a single session. So, you know, I've stayed up till 1am recording, 2am recording, but I've never mm -hmm. had to go past that. Um, and I, I am fortunate that, you know, like on weekends, if I have to work, my husband can just take them to the park mm -hmm. for two hours. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so I, that, that is before. very convenient as well. And is he also working out of the home or is he doing something else? No, he's not. He works a seven to three thirty job. Okay. So are you getting the kids to school then? Yes, I am. Okay. And I know that that can be its own thing. Do they do bus or do you have to bring them in? So this year, I actually, um, uh, they're on the bus. Uh, in previous years, I, I would drive them, but I found that it actually buys me an extra hour to my day if they go on the bus um, 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes later, and I'm not sitting in the car ride line, which is a stressful beast yep. um, in the morning and in the afternoon. Um, so I found that it's it's just easier. And fortunately for them, they're the first or the, they're the last stop in the morning and the first stop in the afternoon. So they're okay. only on there for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of teachers. Actually, I just was talking to a teacher friend the other day and, you know, teachers have to be to school early. Yes. Um, and the kids that have parents as teachers are, you know, either going to have to be in before care. And sometimes that can be incredibly expensive. And so one of my friends, she said, yeah, my friend, drives her kid to the basically the furthest away stop from mm -hmm. her school oh. to drop her off early oh I, so that the I've kid never... is riding the bus for an hour on purpose because oh, no. that's how she can get her kid to school and get to school herself on time well that's been one of the biggest blessings about this and I always try to look at like all of the blessings that have come with being able to work from home mm -hmm. um even though I lost the job that I was passionate about um there, there's so many advantages to being able to do what I do. And one of them being that I am around for my kids more. I mean, at max, I'm working three to four hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, I am able to get them on the bus and off the bus. Um, I, I have the availability to take off when I want to take off. Yep. Um, so I can schedule um, a week off if I want to schedule mm -hmm. a week off. And volunteer uh, or do a field trip or something like that. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's been, um, a really amazing thing about this. Also, um, I left teaching before the pandemic. Oh, so I never had to go through what a lot of teachers went through. Teaching mm -hmm. is still this pure and wholesome, you know, my kids sat around on floor pillows and we'd talk about books. That's what it was. <laughs>
<laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's still that in my mind. It wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have to go through what a lot of teachers went through in, in the past few years. So I was reading in one of my working mom groups mm-hmm. this morning and this lady said, or maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember. I was on the, I was, I think waiting for the dentist and I was reading and she said, um, reading books, even kid books, children's literature is still literature. Yes. And, you know, don't be ashamed if you like Sandra Boynton and, you know, like some of the Jeannie B. Jones or whoever, you know, you are into. Um, and I appreciate that because I feel like as a mom, you know, so much of my reading time, and I told this to my husband, I'm like, everyone's talking about how they're going to read 50 books this year or hundred books or 150, <laughs> you know, like I would be happy to read 12, but I know realistically I might read two. Um, yes. I'm not currently in a book club right now. Um, and I'm looking around even in my office and I'm surrounded by children's literature. I actually thought about going through um, for doctorate in children's literature because I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fun that you get to read like youth, junior, you know, books. Do you enjoy that? Is that like 50-50 you would say or? Um, so I don't do like um, elementary age. I would love to. I would absolutely love to, but I rarely get those books. But I usually do um, actually the age range that where I used to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's adolescence, um, you know, uh, middle grade or yep. young adult books. And I absolutely love that because it's it gives me that connection to that age group that mm-hmm. I'm no longer getting. Um, so I'm still sharing books with you know and adults read them as well right um Mm -hmm. but you know still I I love that age group and I'm still connecting with it and telling their stories to them and I love that so much also I have a young sounding voice so (laughs) oh well I I I think that even like when I choose the books I want to read myself I still end up navigating towards like say the Hunger Games or the Giver and like you know like just those um they're classics but then my kid gets to read it in school and I can relate with them yes and I enjoy that I love that too my my kids are always asking me to record more books that they can listen to Mm -hmm. Um, and they have been able to listen to a few of them it's cute that they like to listen to my books Uh, they think I'm famous (laughs) I think you probably are And then, maybe in some circles. And then but I just looks- did a book. You mentioned Hunger Games and The Giver. I just did a book called The Diseased Ones, um, which is very much in line with Hunger Games or The Giver. It's this amazing young adult dystopian book um, mm-hmm. that I really connected with. I absolutely loved recording it. It was great working with the author. And it's brand new? It's brand new. Yes. The book the book is out, but the audiobook comes out in about three weeks. Okay. Uh, and that's another thing that someone was talking about in that same thread, you know, like it's okay if you like children's literature or young adult literature. Um, and then audiobooks are still books. Audiobooks are still books. And that's something that I didn't even um touch on from when I was sick. When I was very sick, I couldn't pick up a book and read it. Mm-hmm. So I had always really looked down on audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, I'm an English teacher. I'm, you know, literature is only the words on the page. And I learned about the accessibility of audiobooks when I needed them because I didn't have another way to read books. And that was the way that I connected with the world was Mm -hmm. through literature. And I, you know, that, that was a big learning experience for me that wait, audiobooks are books for one and they're accessible to so many more people. And then I learned that even when I'm not ill, um, 
when I'm just doing mom duties or doing, um, you know, chores around the house or something like that, I can still listen to books. And so I, the number of books that I was able to read each year increased because the accessibility. Right. I know when I was uh, running a book club, I would probably absorb about half of them. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer paper. Okay. Um, a real paper book. I don't really like electronic readers. Um, mm-hmm. But the, I would say the audiobooks I feel like have stuck with me even better in yeah. some ways. I listened to Just Mercy as an audiobook. Okay. Do you know that book? I do not. They made a movie out of it. Um, okay. It's like social justice things. Oh, um, really interesting. But I even remember where I was driving as I was listening to it at times, you know, like how your brain kind of processes. Like sometimes if I listen to a, an audiobook while I'm walking, I can always remember where I walked when I listened to it. Um, but yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like my body maybe processed it a little bit different or absorbed it in a different way than I would have on paper. But I like that. Yes. Yeah. And oral storytelling has been around way longer than written words. Spoken word has been around way longer. Right. And then um, sometimes you can pick, like if we have a copy of the book and you can be reading it and then pick up with the audiobook another time. And like, it can be a little bit of like hodgepodge, but it's cool. That's one of my favorite features. Um, some books on Kindle have that feature where you can bounce between and it'll pick up the page number um, mm-hmm. on Kindle. Uh, it'll pick up on the Kindle or in the audiobook of where you stopped. And that just... Uh, that's fantastic. So I'll be reading it, you know, sitting on my couch on my e-reader and then I'll hop in the car and I'll continue the story. And I love that so much. So other than Focusmate and mm-hmm. the course that you went through, do you have anything else that's helped you through these last four years as you've transitioned to working from home? Um, so the community of audiobook narrators um, is so we're actors, you know, we're, we're voice actors, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not really a competitive environment it's a very warm and welcoming environment and I didn't really learn about the community of audiobook narrators um because my until you know a year and a half ago um before that I was I was very isolated and that was really hard for me because to me community is people who are in front of you that you see every day and I had to learn a little bit more about what it means to build a community outside of your physical space Um, and so connecting with other people who do the same thing that I do, uh, I've, I've grown exponentially and my work has grown exponentially just learning from them because I I do, I just absorb what other people have to give. I want your knowledge. I'll give you mine. You give me yours. Um, and so really finding an online community and, you know, being, we weren't able to meet up for the longest time. Um, but now we're getting to the point where we can meet in person, Um, so really accessing people who do what I do, who feel the same imposter syndrome that I feel the same isolation, the same loneliness, maybe they're mourning the loss of their career as well, their previous career. Mm. Um, maybe they're in this, this career path for the same reason that I am, um, because chronic illness kind of pushed them to work from home. Um, and this has been their saving grace. Uh, so really finding community of people who do what I do has helped me understand this career much better, helped me manage my business because this is a business, helped me manage my business better um, and just grow. Are there associations that you can join or competitions or any of that sort of thing? Yes. Um, So I am a member of the 
Audio Publishers Association, the APA, um, and the National, or sorry, the Professional Audiobook Narrators Association, also known as PANA. Um, I will be joining SAG-AFTRA um, soon. What I is that? SAG-AFTRA, uh, the, the Union of Actors Union. Okay. Um, so I've thought about joining them. I will be joining soon. Um, and then they, those organizations, um, they set up socials and they have competitions and they have um, events that you can go to. So I'm going to an event called APAC in March. It's in New York City and it's the Audio Publishers Association convention. Um, there's also a big award ceremony, the Audis, that night. Um, oh, wow. So it'll be a fun time. I'm going to wear a gown. <laughs> Are there agents and things like that, too? There are. I do not have one, um, but there are agents that you can hire. Um, a lot of people have personal assistants as well. I just hired a personal assistant, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it is it is managing your business very much the same as, as any other actor would. Well, any final thoughts before we head out? Um, I just, for anyone who's interested in audiobook narration, I just, I highly recommend it as a career path. Um, it's been such a saving grace for me. It's a beautiful way to connect with the world. Um, if you are in a similar life position like I am where, you know, you need to make your own hours. It is a great job to do from home. Um, but when you get started, just make sure you do your research. Because, you know, as I've mentioned several times throughout this interview, there there is a lot that goes into it. Um, and but it's worth it. (laughs) And any advice for someone that's thinking about working from home for the first time in general? For someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time, um, I'd say make sure you treat it like work. Um, Treat it like a job. Otherwise, it won't feel like a job. And for me, that that causes trouble. So I like to get dressed for work. I like to set work hours, uh, even though it's not necessary and I sometimes have to change them. Um, I think that doing that is really essential to feeling yourself, get, getting into that headspace. I think it's important to have a routine and to get yourself into that headspace because it is hard to transition, but it's it's definitely worth it. Anything else? <laughs> No, I, I think that about covers it. I really appreciate you having me on here. Well, thank you so much. This has been April Malone with Jillian Yetter and Yes, I Work From Home. And if you want to interview, reach me at yesiworkfromhome.com forward slash podcast forward slash guest. And you can fill out the guest interest form and let me know when you're ready to interview. All right. Thank you so much, Jillian. Thank you.